What's up, Dropouts listeners? This is Mike with the Tabletop Dropouts. Today I'm bringing you a special uh, episode where we're going to be talking to Mike Hutchison about his game Gaslands and a few other titles he's working on. It's a pretty good interview. I had a great time talking to him, and without further ado, we're going to get started. Mike Hutchison, uh, creator of Gaslands and Mystic Skies, and quite a few other things. Uh, thanks for being on the show, and thanks for agreeing to this interview. Uh, London time. I know that it's quite a time difference no problem glad to be here yeah so for uh for our listeners just kind of uh why don't you introduce yourself and uh kind of talk about who you are and, and things like that so that they can get to know you a little better yeah sure uh, uh my name's mike hutchinson uh and i've been uh painting little toy soldiers since i was about 11 um uh you might know me as the guy whose name is on the front of gaslands and gaslands refueled um and uh, most recently um put a project together a game anthology uh, project together called blaster with a bunch of other totally rad guys including uh joe mcculloch who you guys have spoken to recently um yeah and uh i've got uh just an abiding need to write uh, tabletop skirmish war games, and I will continue writing them until they stop me. Well, I'm a huge fan of skirmish games. I think we actually we had a we had an episode where we talk about um, Frostgrave and Gaslands. I think it was our third or fourth episode where we talked about how much mm. George and I love skirmish games. Um, we love just basically a, a, the portability of it, the ability to kind of have a beer and pretzels good time or make it really in-depth. So, like, what's your favorite thing about skirmish games that makes you want to make these games? I mean, what what is it about them that you just enjoy so much? I like the fact that skirmish games can be really self-contained and, like, a little... Um, I don't know, almost like a little puzzle box or, like, a, a, like a single picture, a single painting, like... With a skirmish game, you can, they can focus on one specific idea, like a, you know, like a, like a movie does, and they can just really go into like, can you evoke that, that feeling or that theme or that, um, that, uh, um, yeah, that, 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 that core element of uh, whatever it is you're trying to evoke, and then because they're small scale and, uh, and they're, you know, they don't have to account for e enormous ranges of. Uh, figures and so on then they can be quite you know they can be quite self-contained and, and adventurous and then as a player you can have a good time using that particularly strange and unique uh configuration of stuff uh, to create one sense of feeling and then you can go off and you can find something else that does an equally good job of doing something completely different so i guess it's that like i guess it's <clears throat> i maybe equate skirmish games a little bit with my love of indie skirmish games particularly but like you don't have to dive into like you don't have to commit to a 30 novel series uh in order to enjoy a skirmish game you can just like watch a watch a totally rad movie uh or read a read a one-off novel and that's kind of like for me what a skirmish game can do really nicely is evoke something and then you know you can go and experiment with something else and that's I think awesome that, i think that's kind of like what i like that's also how i write as well like skirmish games are these like cool sort of restrictive canvases where you come up with a you know you watch a movie or you read a, uh, a book and you're like oh that thing needs to be on the tabletop how can i make that but you've got a limited canvas so you can you can explore that idea and then you can dump it and move on to something else 
which we can talk about as as we kind of go through the projects I've, I've kind of got in the pipeline, like Gaslands and and Gaslands refueled as like me pouring love into one thing. But I don't think that as a designer, I am capable of producing like dozens of supplements for the same system. I just don't think I can do that because I'm too excited about the restricted canvas and what you can do with a skirmish game uh, that's completely fresh and new. Well, yeah, I mean, it's good that you say that, you know, um, I was just talking to George, uh, my co-host, about how Artisan Guild said that they weren't making Guild Ball anymore. And, and one of the problems that they had cited was Skoke. Uh, yeah. said, you know, the game was just getting too big and it wasn't part of their, you know, initial goals and, and what they wanted Guild Ball to be. So, you know, it's really refreshing to hear a creator say, you know, I'm not I'm not about making 15 different supplements and codexes and all this stuff, especially as a Warhammer player. That makes me so happy to hear because I have gas lines and gas ends refilled on my bookshelf. And it's it's great because I can just look at that book and know that I'm going to have a complete system in a book that I can quickly reference. So it's just, it's it's really cool of you to say that and kind of, you know, about just the, you seem to have the the pure idea, the purest idea of what a skirmish game should be. So that's really cool, man. Um, what Like one of the things that, like I've been, I've been like a, a sort of butterfly for uh, different war game systems for as long as I've been playing. Like I, recently went back and pulled some old books out of my parents' loft and found some really dodgy, like, small small run print skirmish games uh, from the 90s, which are um, probably never to be revisited. But I think when I, like, when I solidly came back into the hobby, as everyone does, like, you know, I had my teenage obsession and then, you know, girls and beer. And then once I got married, I was like, great, I couldn't start doing wargaming again. And as I came back into the hobby in, like, 2013, 2012 something like that like Malifaux was a really strong influence like it grabbed me and shook me by the lapels and was like do you know what all of the rules can be wrong why don't we make something completely different and that kind of really slapped me around the face and I was like excited like it felt like for me at least Malifaux pushed the technology of skirmish games forward if you know what I mean like it kind of opened up the scope of the things that you were allowed to mess about with uh, you know coming from a from, from a heritage of playing you know necromunda and, and and things that basically behaved the same as that or battle tech and stuff that behaved like that um so yeah like that that kind of led to a place where it's like oh cool so the idea of a skirmish game is you should iterate on the rules and make crazy different systems and after doing that for a few times i realized well actually just iterating the rules for the hell of it is not really the it's not really achieving anything like what is it you're trying to evoke what is it that you're trying to communicate with like the play experience and then that started started to really click for me so yeah thanks Malifaux <laughs> I actually haven't had a chance to play Malifaux yet but uh George has been hassling me to play that one and and Relic Blade actually so <laughs> he's been he's been really getting on me about dude we got to play Malifaux we got to play Relic Blade we need to play Crisis Protocol so he's really been getting on to me about these games and it's really funny um it's not that big here in America I have not found anybody that actually plays it outside of my very small group of people. There's maybe one or two players. It's not a, a game where if you go to an LGS, you're going to see it on the table. And that's unfortunate. I think it's a really interesting uh, setting and background. So I'll have to, I'll, I'm going to try it out. I'll, I'll let you know how it goes. One uh, of the things I really loved about um, 
the first edition, which I think has been a little bit diluted, but it's definitely still there, um, is the game kind of said, hmm, what if a... What if a skirmish game wasn't about killing people, but was about like slipping notes into their back pockets or like like following them and then writing down where they've gone and doing all kinds of like surreptitious sort of sneaky, um, sneaky scheming and uh, and generally messing each other up from a sort of, you know, pushing some kind of story forward. And actually, like overall, the game ends up feeling a little bit more standard kind of blow six spells out of each other um, when you actually play it on the tabletop particularly in a tournament setting which um, is kind of how I ended up playing Malifaux the most because uh, the rule system is so interesting and, and worthy of that but that that became like a really important idea for me that um, not all skirmish games have to be about just you know two armies line up and blow six spells out of each other there can be other stuff going on and scheming and and, and storytelling going going through it Yeah, and I think that's what um, that's what draws me to skirmish games too. Is is kind of the there's an ability to really make these mechanics that are very cool and advance the story so well. Um, I'm actually starting up a Saturdays of Thunder Gaslands season uh, <laughs> pretty soon, and um, I, I'm oh, working wow. on this. I was actually at a yard sale, and I'm working on this board. Uh, where I got these old Hot Wheels from a yard sale, and uh, I'm making it a, a like a, a a table like with overpasses and stuff like that, and I'm making it all post-apocalyptic in the true Gasland style, uh, and I and I'm trying to, uh, you know, I've, I've got a few players that were trying to do like a Saturdays of Thunder bracket match where you know each one brings their team, and your your car may blow up, and then you got to get a new guy, and and you know we're trying to have a real good time with it, and. Gaslands is just a riot. So that's actually like that, that leads us into the uh, into the the next segment, which is I was going to talk to you about Gaslands mm. and how much of a fan I am of it. I mean, it's just such a fun game. I, I don't think I've laughed harder or longer on a on a tabletop in a really long time as I have with Gaslands. Nice. Then it is. Then it is doing the thing. <laughs> well, it's just uh, you know, I I'll tell you a little bit about it. The background so i found out about gaslands on the something awful forums um mm. and they have a, a basically a a thread for it uh for gaslands and and they talk about kind of this was back before refueled was out so they just had the regular gaslands and they talked about how fun the game was and how they basically said like you've got to, you've got to check this out you've got to pick it up um and i just had a great time with it and since then you know we've had quite a few adopters who have found out about it and started playing it so actually i have people i can go play with except for one guy he plays idris and i don't like playing him because he always <laughs> me. well but... it's it's a, it's a real it's a real polite game to get other people into because uh unlike unlike most uh unlike most tabletop war games where you you do have to part with some actual cash to get involved like obviously if somebody else is bringing the rules, it's a couple of it's a couple of bucks to get enough of a team with whatever bits and bobs you've got left lying around in your bits box for conversion. So that's actually one of the things I think has been really instrumental in the game's growth is that once one person has uh, got into has read it and has kind of got got the bug for it, it's super easy to convince people to just be like, eh, okay, I'll have a go. Like it's you know what is it? 
it's a couple of quid. I'll get I'll get involved and uh, and then then that gets people to the table. And once they play the game, uh, I hope that they uh, that they see what a fun time it is and that it doesn't have to be a big investment. It can just be a thing that is always fun to get out on the table. Yeah, and that's exactly right. I mean, it's so easy. I think while I was playing a game the last time at an LGS, two guys, the the store uh, that I played at was right next door to a 99 cent store. <laughs> and two guys went over to the 99 cent store and bought cars to play. Like they, they said, oh, this looks awesome. I'm going to go get some cars. And so they just went next door and came back with two cars. And they wanted to get in on it. So it was just I really feel sli- cool. I feel slightly sorry for the uh, for the friendly local gaming store, but yeah, that's what it is. Well, we did tell them. We were like, maybe next time you're at the store, just pick up a, a blister pack of Hot Wheels and just have them, you know, you're out five bucks for a blister pack and then sell them for 99 cents. You made, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're buying them at 50 cents and you're selling them at a dollar. You're making a profit. And one guy's actually starting to do that. He's looking for cool ones when he's at the grocery store. He just throws them in and puts them up on the on the rack. So it's really cool. Nice. Yeah. Sometimes he finds good ones too. Uh, he, he's trying to find the Falcon, uh, the 1973 Falcon that was from Mad Max. Which, so I wanted to ask, what are your like? What made you decide that you wanted to write a game about vehicular mayhem in a post-apocalyptic world that had been invaded by Mars? Like, where did you get this idea? Um, like most things I work on, it took a long time to get from where I started to what it eventually was. Um, but like where it started was, uh, probably reasonably obvious from the outside is that, uh, a good buddy of mine and I were playing a lot of X-Wing and, uh, my mate John, uh, actually he was kicking around the idea of playing uh, with. Uh, he was like, "There is no, there's no good car combat games." As we were finishing, as we were cleaning up a, 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 a bout of exiting, like, it's no good car combat games. I was like, "You're damn right." Um, let's go, let's go fix that. And so we kind of chatted over over text, um, smashed a couple of ideas backwards and forwards, and uh, I had like a sort of working prototype by about two days after that. And actually kind of didn't think much more of it until I started shopping around um, what I thought was a like more serious game, which was called Hobgoblin, uh, which is like a fan, a sort of mass battle game. This was just as Warhammer was dying. So I was like, I was like, brilliant. I'll get my first game published. It'll be a, like a generic um, a unit based uh, rank and flank type thing. And as I was shopping it around um, to cut a long story short, I got a bunch of rejections, one of which was from Offspray. Um, and they were good enough to um, respond to my email to say, hey, is there anything else that you would be interested in? Because it turned out that they had um, they already had a kind of generic fantasy thing uh, in the pipeline, which turned out to be Dragon's Rampant, which is a, a pretty great and kind of equivalent uh, game to what I was trying to create with Hobgoblin. And um, Phil at Osprey was good enough to actually rummage through my website. And I had been publishing sort of the the little prototype rule sets that I've been writing I'd been putting them all up online because why not and in this case it really paid off because he picked up um he opened the pdf for what was then called Gaslands colon highway because Gaslands was originally like uh, a skirmish game you know like a, a, a people running around skirmish game and Gaslands highway was like well this is good and I like a lot of these things but it's only eight pages long it would need to be longer than that I was like it's fine I can write some more pages for you uh, so that's how it got started and how it kind of evolved from there was um, just like the inspiration really, if I'm honest with you, is all of the video games that I played as a kid 
like the racing and car combat games. So it actually doesn't really come from a tabletop heritage. Like I wanted to recreate the experience of like Rush 2049 and Mario Kart and Pod or POD or whatever it's called. Um, and just like that was like, it's much more of a video game rooted experience than it is um, uh, like a cinematic rooted experience. But then like everything I wanted to do with the game was like, everything needs to be exploding all of the time. I have a, have a, a page in my design notebook from quite early on where I was like, Gaslands needs to be really explodey and things need to explode all the time unexpectedly. Um, which is why the um, the bit where you blow up and you roll a die, uh, the, when you die and you, you roll a dice to see whether you explode, is like, it's utterly critical because sometimes that causes like the chain reactions that have everybody hooting around the table with, uh, with joy. So then like the post-apocalyptic thing was totally obvious because once you've got the toy car idea and once you've got the the kind of car combat idea, then clearly the only rational choice is to set it in the Mad Max universe or, or some equivalent thereof. Um, but I didn't want it to just be a Mad Max game. And also the, I like you, you'll have probably noticed if you've picked up one or two of the, uh, one or two others of the, Offspray War Games Blue Book series that the original Gaslands is part of. Like they're really light on theme. They just kind of introduce a little bit of um, what the world might be like, but you really only get about 300 words to tell your entire story. And so that was actually more a blessing than a curse because it meant that I had to keep the setting really skeletal, which gave everybody else a, a bunch of room to put their own. Um, to put their own uh, kind of feelings onto the game and put their own ideas into the game. Um, and then what happened beyond that was uh, we had a online role-playing group, me and a couple of mates, and it hit on the idea that if we maybe, if we maybe dived down to the ground level of this sort of poorly laid out setting and actually just tried walking around in it in a role-playing way so we we played a few different role-playing like not campaigns but like a couple of sort of two three session uh, explorations where we were like okay so we we're like doing courier runs in the ruins of japan okay we're like dropped on an island because we're like the contestants in some terrible game show where we're all going to die and kind of by exploring it at that level uh, it became clear to me what the world was like yeah so yeah awesome thank you for that yeah we're we're a big fan of of that and just the the creativity and all the different teams and how everybody had like their their different one i mean george went for for uh michigan right away i mean he just said mad science that's my thing you know and i <laughs> I went for uh, Rutherf Rutherford because I just, it's how, how much more, you know, I just, I crack up because I live in the, you know, North Florida with the monster trucks and the, and the, um, the crazy American flag decals and, and the come and take it and second nice. amendment rights and all that stuff and all the crazy people that they come with that. And I thought Rutherford was just, that was just so perfect. Just play that. And then, uh, you know, Zach, kind of tried out slime because he liked the you know the explosive cultist kind of thing so we we have had just a great time with it um so that being said you know yeah you you kind of so is is gaslines really your first game that you've ever published or did you publish other things what else did you work on before you worked on gaslines 
I know yeah. you mentioned Hobgoblin. Yeah, I mean, Ga- Gaslands was my absolutely my first published game. Um, but, um, um, like, I mean, it was probably... So a, a few years back, I guess, maybe 2014, maybe, something like that. Like, I... Um, I kind of I realized that I was really enjoying writing uh, writing these skirmish games and oh well actually to be honest with you I, I I realized I was enjoying writing games and I was writing some terrible board games and some terrible card games and some terrible war games and I set myself a challenge um, to write a new game every month and just like get it to a point where it was like four or six pages long and it was kind of complete enough to play and probably terrible and so I just started like smashing game after game out and not really worrying about whether or not they were brilliant but making mistakes and learning uh learning what it what it takes to get a good one and so I guess probably Gasland's like I don't know it's maybe like my 10th game or something but they'd all just been like you know crummy word documents that were just on my computer and sometimes I put the pdfs up on my um on my crummy website um but that I think like that's that's just like I feel like that's the way to success is you just have to make a bunch of terrible things until you accidentally make something good and figure out what was good and do some more of that. Did you expect I mean, the if I go on Facebook now, there's there's groups and groups and groups of Gaslands, people showing off their creations and all the different things that they've made. And some of it is just really, really good. Uh, did you ever expect the kind of adoption that you saw with with what had happened with Gaslands? No, yeah, in no world did I imagine it. Um, I think, like, I was less I, like I. I'll be completely honest. Like Phil at Offspray was the one that basically said to me, "You know what this needs to be? This needs to be Hot Wheels toy cars." And I was like, "Oh yeah, absolutely right. That's completely what it needs to be, and we will never." We will never question that decision ever again. Um, and he was so right. And I, I think that, like, Phil's a Phil's a good guy because he's he absolutely loves games of all flavors, board, card, and war games. And so, like, his his idea kind of came from a place of deep love and excitement about that. But I don't know that even Phil knew how right he was. That there was like a whole universe of like there's a whole universe of like Hot Wheels conversion anyway to draw on and there's like a whole universe of hot wheels cars that like you never know what you're going to get in the store and it's exciting and it's kind of like it's a bit of a lucky dip and then they're so ridiculously easy to customize for a couple of reasons one is they're all wonky scales anyway so no one's going to question if the gun is slightly the wrong shape they're really cheap so if you do a terrible paint job you just go ah whatever and grab another car and try again and i think that that accessibility like I just didn't I did not understand that that might be a thing when I wrote the game I was just trying to make the funnest um pushing cars around game and them exploding and you going brum brum and having a super good time um and I don't think during the development of the game I really understood any of that possibility and then when people started to like go hard in on the conversion and like so often I see in the Facebook group like people who are like I'm kind of like they're like 20 cars in and they still haven't played the game yet, but they're like, it doesn't matter. I'm still enjoying this part and I'll get to the game in a minute, but I'm still sticking flamethrowers on the top of toy cars and I'm loving it. So yeah, not, not in any universe did I expect that. 
I mean, it's it's well deserved. Again, it's it's a great game. Um, and 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 I wanted to circle back too to kind of <clears throat> my next question was actually going to be about your recommendation for somebody who's writing their own game and getting started. I, as somebody who's creating his own game and, and still working on it, uh, I wanted mm-hmm. to thank you for that because you, you kind of you you basically defined my process as well of just kind of sitting here with these word documents and, and just doing it over and over again until you get something that works well is, is just solid advice. And I'll be sure to take that to heart. <laughs> the other piece, of, the other piece of advice that I totally would recommend is don't keep your stuff secret, like show it to other humans as soon as possible. Cause the number of times that I've come up with something that I feel is an incredible idea and I'm sitting in the, I'm sitting in the bathroom or I'm, I'm walking back from, from work or whatever and it like it's it's just working and it makes sense in my brain and I write it down and it looks cool and it's going to be new and unique and then I show it to another human and they're like but wait a minute what if I just snap this bit off and I'm like no it all right it doesn't work at all it's completely broken so show (laughs) things to people as soon as possible like it just that cold harsh light of another human's perspective is for me so so um important and it means that you can get past the like the sort of toddling stage of any any idea in a game you can just push past that and be like oh yeah you're right this is a terrible idea let's let's let me let me go away and fix that well again that's other awesome advice and i'm sure that you know i could show it to a couple of the guys on the podcast and they'd be happy to poke holes in it all day so i'll definitely try that out as soon as i have a working copy um moving on to your to your other creation that you did recently you did uh mystic skies which is its own standalone um skirmish game with sean sutter uh who created relic blade so do you want to talk about that for a little bit and kind of talk about you know what what it's about and kind of any of that stuff sure i guess it's like it's difficult to talk about mystic skies without i guess introducing blaster into the mix so um you you you've spoken to uh, joe mcculloch uh of frost grave fame and he sent me an email out of the blue um you know we we hook up occasionally um because he lives quite nearby me but um he sent me an email out of the blue saying essentially saying i've got this mad idea i think it's going to be brilliant let's do it um and his mad idea was to gather together some um some high some 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 highly active uh, indie games designers, uh, war games designers, and maybe make a collective out of it and see if we could make something awesome with the the kind of like content and expansions and bits and bobs that we were putting out individually and see if we could smash those together and make something better than the sum of the parts. And so that's what that's what Blaster has become. And volume one of this independent games anthology um, is available on Drive-Through RPG now. And volume two is uh extremely close to um to press i've got the um i got the, the print on demand proof hopefully uh, sailing my way in about a week's time and if that is good to go then we'll press the big green button um but what has been exciting about that so is that um pretty much every week now i get to jump on skype with like joe mcculloch ash barker from gorilla miniature games sean sutter who's you know just an incredible designer and artist um uh, um, uh, Joey Maguire, who you might know from um, either Reality's Edge that he published quite recently, but um, his main game is uh, uh, This Is Not a Test. And um, it, it's like, it's such a crazy 
environment for ping-ponging games ideas around and so we were shooting we were shooting around what we might do for volume two just shortly after we'd finished the first uh, volume and i was sort of saying oh we've got a couple of ideas and i pitched one thing that nobody really went for and then i was like oh we've well, got this other thing that was a project that kind of didn't work out it's sort of like Frostgrave meets gaslands and it's about um it's about wizards that ride magic carpets and they're going to do like crazy crazy activities like tearing across the deserts and casting all kinds of spells and blasting monsters and generally hassling each other and uh uh sean sort of Sean sort of got his ears perked up and he started chatting about how uh, he'd added quite a lot of like sort of kind of Arabian Nights influences in some of the artwork he'd done recently. And I was like, wait a minute, did you sort of suggest that you were going to do that artwork and the minis for this about halfway through this conversation? He was like, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, that sounds good. So that was awesome and terrifying because I hadn't really written the game at that point. It was just a really cool idea that I'd had. Um, and then suddenly I was like, oh, okay, now we've got three months until this magazine uh, needs to be assembled and I don't have a game. So I'm going to have to crack on with that. And it's going to have to be really good because I want to impress Sean and make make him think that I'm a credible games designer. So, yeah, so the thumbscrews and the heat was on um, and it was very exciting. It's actually so I've been hassling George about this because I showed it to him when we had emailed back and forth and he was very excited. So I'm, I'm anxious to try it out, actually. So. so I don't know if you I don't know if you played uh, in the 90s a game called Magic Carpet from Bullfrog. I did not know. Uh, so that was like all, all of my games designs start with some like specific concrete image. But like there's there's like that image of a of a uh, a kind of a dude in a turban riding a magic carpet flinging a fireball at a dragon was sort of the the beginnings of this and um like mechanically i knew that i wanted to have a really cool spell casting system and i wanted to use the um gaslands movement templates for something that wasn't cars and a dude on a magic carpet seemed like a really exciting thing and what was cool about this development process was that um because I was slightly under pressure, slightly panicked, like I was really, really um, brutal with myself. So the game went through probably 10 iterations in three months, like pretty fundamental iterations where like the, the, the turn structure changed or the, the spell casting mechanics completely changed or um, uh, the way that like at one point, all of the monsters and minions of the, uh, the minions of the wizards and the, and the sort of randomly generated wandering monsters all had AI systems, which which didn't make it into the final version. Um, there was a moment about version seven where it was good, but it wasn't great. And um, one of the one of my one of my my buddies, Glenn, who's the kind of lead, you'll see him credited to the lead developer on um, Gaslands Refueled. Glenn was like, what if the what if the wizards can't die? And the idea of like a game in which, at least mechanically, the wizards are like immortal, incredible spellcasters. They never fail to cast spells. They can't be damaged by any of these piddling monster or minion attacks. And they just tear around the battlefields trying to get all the jobs done was perfect because the sort of the, the thing that I was trying to capture was you're like you're like an incredibly powerful wizard and you can tear about all over this 
this desert battlefield and you can destroy monsters and you can summon monsters and you can destroy other people's towers of sorcery and you can summon hordes of hordes of minions to do your bidding but the problem is everybody else is incompetent and you're the person who has to get all these jobs done and you can't be everywhere uh, and so it's a it's a question of like where are you going to go to get these jobs done and which of the jobs are you going to get done and having the wizards be both unable to die and they always cast the spell that they're trying to cast so the question is which spell do you cast not do i cast the spell it just made the game really exciting so that's that's essentially what it is it's like um a game of it's kind of like you're you're a sort of it's like almost like a sort of real-time strategy game where you're kind of like the god character like you're like the the magical cursor uh but you can't be everywhere uh, all the time I feel like, have I actually described what the game is, or have I just been getting excited about my process? I don't think you really described it, but uh, it's, com- <laughs> I, it's coming out on Blaster Volume 2, so uh, yeah. I'm, I'm anxious to see it. But uh, It's a skirmish game. You both have a wizard. You both have a tower of sorcery. And in between the towers, some monsters will appear each turn. And you can zip around blasting things, or you can summon some powerful uh, kind of soldiers and um, you can summon an elemental to go and do your bidding and the game is really at least in this first version that's in blaster the game is can you knock out the other guy's tower before they knock out your tower so it's got a tower defense element to it and that's really i guess probably like the first scenario and there'll be there'll be room to write different game modes on top of that but the 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 blaster volume two game that stand alone is essentially you're that you're that wizard and you can choose from four different schools of magic and each of those different schools of magic is going to have a different way of commanding the battlefield and interacting with the monsters and the minions um yeah so i'm really really excited about it and um sean like within 24 hours of us, us having that first conversation he created these incredible um, kind of goblins and gnomes riding magic carpets and um, just like I don't know you you probably you probably won't have done because very few people have but like if you go and try and find out if there are any good wizards on magic carpet miniatures it's just a bizarrely empty uh, thing that uh, needs to be filled so there's a niche that we've that we filled there there are now phenomenal fantasy uh, models of dudes on riding magic carpets so yeah and that that gave like that gave like the beginnings of it and then he filled it in with um some of his incredible artwork and um, we worked together to sort of seat the mystic skies game into the relic blades universe so it's it's not mechanically it's a totally different game but it kind of lives inside the same uh universe and so um and so all, all of kind of sean's artwork and his and his um his kind of hand is very much all over it that's that's really awesome yeah i mean it's relic blade's been something that's been on my must play table for months now and i I haven't had a chance to play it so i'm anxiously awaiting uh volume two of blaster i actually have volume one open here while i'm doing this interview just kind of looking over it uh because i play four out of the five games on this list or i'm sorry three out of the five i play gaslands last days and uh frostgrave and and i just to be honest with you just got into last days i just bought the book uh from ash or you know on uh i ordered the book so i I haven't had a chance to go through it and actually play the game yet but i'm really looking forward to it um so what's what's on your what's on your game table right now what are you playing 
So right now, what have I been playing recently? To be honest with you, I have a I have a four by four set up right next to where I'm sitting, which is kind of distracting because I do my day job here at the at the desk, and then if I turn ninety degrees to the right, I've got my uh, my game table set up. So this is predominantly for play testing, and if I'm be, be honest with you, during lockdown because it's mostly me playing uh, on my own. Uh, I'm mostly doing playtesting, so uh, when I'm not playtesting, I'm playing a bunch of solo board games like uh, Escape the Dark Castle has recently hit the table, uh, uh, Arkham Horror the card game, but right now I've got a bunch of projects on the that are cooking, including a um, very exciting uh, Gaslands expansion, which is going to be in volume three of Blaster, so I'm like, I'm deep in playtesting for that right now, um, which um, I've trailed a little bit um, in a video that I put out a couple of weeks back um, on the Facebook group. So there's uh, there's some more info about that floating around. But broadly speaking, it's a um, it's a kind of it's a new narrative campaign for Gaslands with a couple of really, um, for me, at least exciting elements. One is that there's a kind of permanent legacy elements to the way that you create and modify your cars during the campaign. Um, so you actually, the intention is that you grab a fresh car out of the box, um, or from, you know, from your box of cars, you check out the name of the car on the back, you visit the Gaslands website and hit the, um, and hit the legacy, um, kind of web app. And by typing the name of the car, in, it's going to tell you what the stats are. And it's going to give you some kind of random, uh, some random perks. And as you go through the campaign, uh, that camp that car is going to get better, but it's going to do so in a kind of scratch card you know you find out what you get as you go kind of a way so yeah that's that's mostly what's on my table right now is uh playtesting this wow i mean yeah so i guess a few of the guys that are listening to the podcast are going to be a little bit upset because i think i'm actually going to just wait until blaster volume 3 comes out for the saturdays of thunder if if that's going to be the way that, that goes because <laughs> that'll solve a huge problem of setup for me um, i tell you I tell you what we will do, Mike. Is uh, let's let's do so. Let's let's make you an official playtester of the uh, of the expansion, and then if you guys if you guys can get through uh, a few games of it, then it would be um, it would be incredible. Oh, I mean, we would love that. That would be amazing. Yeah, we'd we'd absolutely one hundred percent be on board with that. Because I'll I'll tell you something. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I think every other games designer who's published a campaign system will tell you the same thing, but uh, writing campaign systems is the most bastard hard part of writing any war game because playtesting a game, you can play that game over and over and over again, and you can figure out where the, where the problems are and fix them. Like playtesting a campaign is brutal because you have to get through so many games and anything that you would fix, you would have to spend like six weeks replaying the whole campaign. So, um, I'm kind of me and Glenn, who I mentioned already, is the 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 develop the lead developer on Gaslands. We're both kind of obsessed with this problem of making campaign systems that don't suck, and I'm not sure I've made one yet. There's there's a few attempts already floating around through Gaslands, but like making a campaign system where um, the people who are not winning the campaign still want to play the campaign. And that as you progress through the campaign, there's still interesting things to get done. And that, you know, in general, in general, a campaign system that doesn't just naturally 
reward the most capable player so that everybody else feels sad about their lives. It's such a brutally difficult thing. But yeah, so more playtesting, more playtesters for campaign systems always. I mean, that's that's awesome. And, and I will give you all the notes that I can. Um, nice. I, I'm very excited about that. That's that's going to be awesome. And it's, you know, it's real funny that you say that because um, we actually just talked about in our uh, upcoming, I'm about to release the, the episode. I'm actually late on it because I, I'm interviewing you today and I usually push out the, the episode today. So it's going to be a little bit late. But um, we actually talked about so Zach is a big Warhammer player. Uh, that's really his his tabletop. You know, that's where he he has his uh, his fixations. You know, he just he loves Warhammer so much. Um, mm-hmm. He spent a lot of time before Crusade came out, kind of writing this. He spent about forty hours of real work, like building out this 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 campaign and this narrative thing. And he ran into kind of the same problem. There was you know there was a lot of holes being poked in it. Or people kind of just fell off because it's like, well, I lost the first one, so I don't want to play, you know, anymore because kind of um, that, you know, it's not going to be fun if I'm not winning. And yeah, exactly. Like the the thing that the thing that most designers do, and I think it's very natural to want to do this, is it narratively feels correct that if I win a game, I should get a cool thing as a reward for being a good player. Because then you're rewarding the play, the like behavior you want, which is be good at the game, because the game will then reward you for being good at the game. But it doesn't work. It doesn't work. It just doesn't work. Like, if the better player gets more stuff, then the better player is now both better and is dis- and is overly advantaged. Like, the way that I'm trying to write campaign systems is give the worst player the thing and the good player will have the satisfaction of winning and the bad player will have the satisfaction of getting something that attempts to right the balance. It's, it's like, it's, it's as simple as a handicap system, but it seems to be that like narratively that feels wrong. And so, um, and so people tend towards the other direction, but like if you get stomped on in your first uh, game of blood bowl in a, in a, in a blood bowl season, like, you're absolutely screwed for the rest of the ca- for the rest of the season, and you're like, well, this is kind of lame, and I wish I hadn't started this whole endeavor. Um, uh, or the other thing I think is like, give everybody the same stuff, and and like separate the connection between winning games and getting better, so that everybody gets better at roughly the same rate, and that's cool because everybody gets more toys, and you know, gangs are getting stronger, or you know, teams are getting larger, or whatever. But um, make it about like that's what the Gaslands um, kind of the basic system that I present in Gaslands does. It says everybody gets the same amount of goodies additionally each game, but you've also got a totally separate resource, which is called championship points. And if you win a game, you get more of those championship points and they mean absolutely nothing apart from you are closer to being the grand poobah with the big hat that says you're the best player on it. Um, Cause I think that keeps people more engaged for longer. Um, and doesn't essentially double penalize the worst player by saying well you're both worse and i'm going to give you a a fewer number of points for your next game as a punishment for sucking at this game right yeah and i I think that's a really solid way to go about it and i also you know when you were talking about that that's kind of what i saw from second edition for frostgrave with joseph was he kind of said you know I, i ran into this issue where players that were winning were just loading up their war bands and then 
people who were getting killed all the time basically had were running out of gold and had no way to replenish their ranks. So mm. it kind of changed the system to make it so that you could only take a few specialists in your warband, thugs, and, and I think another type were free to take in case you lost anybody just to fill it all out. And I thought that was really cool because, you know, he, he kind of said, yeah, like it's it's not fun to, to lose all the time. Um, and it's not fun to play something and then watch that giant gorilla grow bigger while you're still, you know, kind of spinning your wheels in the mud. So I, I, yeah, I love absolutely. that approach. Yeah, it's absolutely right. I have a I have a design mantra which is um like never sacrifice fun on the altar of realism. And it applies I think here as as it does in lots of other places, which is like it feels right that the guy that won carries off all the treasure or, you know, has the most experienced and proficient generals. But it's like, you got to separate what is intuitively, narratively correct from what is literally fun for players. Like, what's the actual gameplay experience that you want? Um, and I think that that's, um, the, like you were asking about, like, game design advice. One of the other things that I think is really solid is um, if you design campaign systems or scenarios or kind of like you know your kind of own house rules for games that you know and love i think that's a really solid way to get started in writing games in general because writing a complete and playable system is kind of an uh, an intimidating endeavor because until you know what might be wrong in your system like it's it's not a fun experience but you don't know where the not funness is so for me like i also played a ton of warhammer and, and actually the way that we predominantly played Warhammer um, just through kind of happenstance was we would tend to meet up on a Saturday and play. There were six of us and we would always play one massive 10,000 point game with three players each side. And it was tremendous fun. And, you know, we had to come up with our own house rules. And then I started introducing different scenarios to, to account for the fact that we were playing these big kind of whole afternoon games. And writing a scenario is just like you're able to kind of push the game and see if it falls over and where it falls over without without having the kind of um without having the problem of having to fix everything and and and, and figure out where everything is broken so i think like writing a campaign system for a for a, a game that you know well is actually a tremendous first step on the way to figuring out how you would write an entire game system so you're a warhammer player what's your uh, what's your faction uh, uh chaos of all flavors <laughs> so zach's zach's gonna be very excited about that he's he's our chaos uh he's just a big chaos like, fan. my my particular obsession um and i'm I'm staring at a row of half painted ones that i'm currently working on at the moment is um 1990s big hat chaos dwarfs which as a kid i was obsessed with because i think the first white dwarf that i ever bought was like one of the ones where the it was the one with the big chaos dwarf sorcerer on from like 1992 or 1993 and so i've been obsessed with them ever since that moment i only had a handful of them when i was a kid and then when i was like you know a big man with a bit of cash to throw around i was like ooh, checking out on ebay bought myself a chaos dwarf army and honestly the amount of pure joy that i've had from just painting like three chaos dwarfs a month for the last five years or whatever like i'll probably never get this army finished but like it's ah oh, they're just such beautiful little little sculpts i love them well i hope that uh they release a codex for you at least from Boards world so that you can still play and <laughs> nine. 
that's all right. I'll just I'll just write I'll just write more rules into Hogwarts or something. In fact, the 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 the, the um. A chaos dwarfs have hit the table recently because in mystic skies what you need is like a tiny little warband of like three warriors three archers and three kind of engineers or sappers so that's been brilliant like that's given me an excuse to crack out some old warhammer fantasy dwarfs and some chaos dwarfs and kind of paint up to a nice standard like a couple of models that i love from the range but i don't have to do a whole unit and you know we go back to why skirmish games are great yeah, I mean, I'm a, I actually myself, uh, I'm, I'm a bigger fan of skirmish games than I am of Warhammer, uh, because I, I just love the ability of, of forging your own story and making your own thing. I feel like Warhammer is just a little bit too big for me. Um, it doesn't feel like any of my, you know, my choices or any of my battles actually have any kind of real um, weight in the universe. You know, it's just such a massive game and it's a massive scale and you know it's like does this really matter is it, are my are my little space barbies fighting the other guy's space barbies is this is this really a thing or is this just kind of is there any meaning to it and, and you know yeah, it's just, yeah kind of loses that kind of immediate human scale of what the story is i mean yeah and it's just it's it's so different so i had some uh, fun questions to kind of close out our interview and, and i kind of asked these to a few of the guys and, and, and i wanted to know so you're the CEO of one game company. What do you change? What do you do? And uh, how do you proceed? Oh, so this is a CEO of a games company I want to get fixed. Is that right? Yes. Do you know what? I did literally and uh, quite quite honestly apply for the CEO of Games Workshop when that job was open. Obviously, I never got a return uh, letter, but... Um, at the time when I was starting Gaslands, like that company was in its like deepest fuck all the players mode and community is not a thing. And I like, maybe it's apparent from the Gaslands universe, but like I deeply believe that like building communities around games is absolutely what you need to do. Um, and so I sent them a long letter about why I think building communities is important and why they should make me the CEO, but they didn't get back to me. Um, what, what, what would I fix? I don't know. Like I would, I would, I would be the CEO of fantasy fight games and I would stop adding so many tokens to their damn board games that don't add anything. <laughs> That's the best answer. <laughs> stop adding so many proprietary tokens and move into <laughs> I mean, to be honest with you, I think that you probably could have gotten the CEO position if you just wrote Space Marines repeatedly on your application. <laughs> just, 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 we're just going to do Space Marines, all Space Marines, all the time. That's all we're doing for the next. To be, to be honest with you, I actually, I actually love where GW has gone over the last four or five years. Like, I think like the spreading out of like returning to some of the old IP that is beloved is genius. Like, spreading out the number of games so that you know, rather than pouring everybody's energies into the central systems, like giving three or four different ways to explore the Warhammer 40,000 universe from like a, a gaming perspective, like that's, that's great. I think that is, I think that is fantastic. Um, but yeah, I think anybody, anybody that's prioritizing the product over the game experience is, is having some problem. And uh, I think I would, I would I would join any I would join anyone that needs counselling in that direction. Like 
the products are cool, but ultimately you need to have a sweet tabletop experience or honestly, it's not doing the thing. That's a, that's a great answer. Uh, my next question is, what is your favorite Gaslands team? Oh, I play Rusty every time I can uh, because, uh, because of a couple things. One is Rusty comes from uh, there was a there was a um, a game convention which I think is sadly now now dead forever but absolutely uh, beloved of us which was called SmogCon which was at one point in its life cycle a purely privateer press con, uh, con and only played their games but there was a couple of great years where they opened it up and um, a friend of ours put on a kind of butterfly gamers thing where he invited a bunch of indie games to come and show off their wares. And we, it was one of those fantastic cons where like we showed up and set up at like 10 AM in the morning and then we're demoing Gaslands to people like the entire day. And like at one in the morning, we're drunk out of our minds, still demoing the game to people who are also drunk out of their minds and just having an incredible time. And there was this guy who, um, I can't remember his name right now, uh, but he came and played the game at about three o'clock in the afternoon and was already drinking gin and was having an incredible time and dragged all of his friends over. And then he came back with a with an even bigger group of people to get them involved at about one o'clock in the morning. And uh, his enthusiasm for Gaslands was so strong that I had to. Uh, his name was Russell. His name was Russell. And uh, Russell's love for Gaslands and for the just general like drunken mayhem that it permitted him to continue wargaming whilst inv indulging in drunken mayhem like that for me is like that was the root of the of the rusty team was like what if there's a Gaslands team where the drunker you get the better you are uh, and so that is still very dear to my heart that's hilarious all right my final question you get to bring back one out of print board game what is it and why? Oh, that is a heavy question. Hmm. The final question is always the most suspenseful. Yeah, I mean... The two answers that come to mind are um, one is one is a game that I wish I'd come up with. And the other is just a game that I still think I'm going to rewrite. So the one that I wish I'd come up with is there's a game called Mythos from the 90s, which was like a collectible card game. And I adored it so much. And. When Fantasy Flight came out with Arkham Horror, the card game, I was like, oh, you guys have done it. You've nailed it. No one needs to play any uh, Lovecraftian card games ever again. You've completely destroyed this. Um, and so uh, and so Mythos was like just so beautiful. And I love all the illustrations and all the kind of bizarre, like proto storytelling mechanics of that game. It didn't quite work how it was supposed to, but. Um, eventually, 20 years later, somebody figured it out. So unfortunately, they kind of brought it back before I had a chance to. But the one that I would really bring back, um, but I probably will just design myself, is um, Manowar. Like, Manowar, just like such a delicious jewel of a game. Like, these little incredible... Um, 
fantasy ships and uh, like a, f a phenomenal kind of su super simple movement system and like the little template, uh, the little templates for every uh, the, um, the sort of stat cards that are also templates for hit locations and stuff. It was like a ton of stuff in that has has wound its way through a bunch of other games. Like the most recent Adeptus Titanicus has got kind of some elements of that woven in, but I've always been obsessed with that game and I would love it to come back, but I think I will just bring it back myself at some point, perhaps as a some, some kind of Gaslands Pirates of the Rad uh, Deserts or something. Sorry, I've gone slightly misty-eyed. I love that game. No, I mean, it's fair. I, I totally get it. <laughs> Well, that's it for the uh, for the interview. Thank you so much for being here uh, and, and taking the time to talk to me. Uh, if if our listeners are curious about Gaslands or anything else that Mike has created, you can go to gaslands.com. Uh, be on the lookout for Blaster Volume 2, which should be out soon-ish. Very uh, soon, yeah. Um, either hit up blaster-mag.com or um, search drive-through RPG for it, because that's what we use as our platform to publish it. Awesome. Thanks again. That's it for our interview today of Mike Hutchison. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the interview. And if you have any feedback, hit us up on tabletopdropouts at gmail.com or at tabletopdropouts on Instagram or our Facebook page. Thanks again for listening, and we'll talk to you later.